Shared parenting does make it easy. I'm your host, Chris Batchelor, and this is the Parent Time Podcast. Parent Time Podcast is presented by National Parents Organization, a national nonprofit who is working hard to bring shared parenting nationwide. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris from National Parents Organization, and today I'm here with Nadja Hall. She's the founder of VIP Stepmom. It's a private online community for stepmoms and also Blended in Black, which is a community for millennials and stepfamilies. She's also a certified coach and educator, author, and podcaster, and she hosts the podcast I Know I'm Crazy with Nadja Hall. She's also an author of the Amazon bestseller Girl Buy book series, and she's a stepmom of three. Well, Nadja's definitely busy. Uh, her life's work is to teach empathy, accountability, emotional intelligence through the art of storytelling, and genuine human connection. And she understands that family is the most influenced entity of the human development, and her work centers upon helping individuals, couples, and families navigate some of life's toughest transitions. Today, we're here to talk with her about her experiences working with kids and families, and her thoughts on shared parenting. Well, Dodger, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm wonderful, Chris. Thank you so much for the amazing introduction. It's almost as if I wrote that myself. <laughs> well, you did, because I, I lifted most of it off of your website. But, uh, you know, why why, uh, why copy something that's already great, right? Or why try and redo something that's already great? I mess with perfection, yes. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm so happy to be a part of what you're doing. So thank you for having me, Chris. Well, we are certainly glad to have you here today, and uh, today we just want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, who you are and, and what your experiences are within the communities, and uh, we certainly want to talk about shared parenting, so we'll get into that, uh, but let's uh, let's kind of roll back a little bit and, and bring us into, tell us how you got involved with all this stuff, how did you become a coach and an author and a podcaster, and, and what's your story, and, and how did it all begin? Okay, I'm going to give you the, I guess, abridged version, so... Back around 2013, I met this amazing fella. He was a divorced dad of three. And I can honestly say I was quite apprehensive because I was a single woman, no biological children, just meandering around New York City, enjoying my single life. And so the thought of getting with a parent, a divorced parent, scared the bejesus out of me simply because of, I think of all of the preconceived notions that came along with that stuff, you know, you think of drama, you think of child support. Oh my gosh, will the kids not like me? And I didn't have any of those fears. My family was also a little fearful for me. And a lot of my fears, they started becoming my real life situation. And our situation, and I, I make no quarrels about this. I don't hide this fact on any of my public platforms is our family, our blended family started off extremely high conflict. I mean, Restraining orders, no contact, high conflict. It was a bad situation. And so I was at a crossroads. It's like, do I choose this relationship where there's this one person that's attached to all of these things that cause me personal stress? Or do I essentially choose peace and go back out there and the, figure out that green grass and the single dating pool? And to be quite frank, my partner, who is now my husband, um, was the best man that I'd ever been with. It was the best relationship. I got so much fulfillment. And so I decided to stick it out. So Chris, since I decided to stick it out, that meant that there was some other stuff that I was going to have to deal with. And the first thing being the high conflict nature and just understanding what divorce, because people call divorce the death of an original family unit. And so I, it took me a while to just realize and accept the fact that I was coming on the heels 
of this family suffering and grieving through the death of what they initially wanted. And that was difficult. And so I started reaching out, you know, like any woman does. You know, I read all the books. I listened to all the podcasts. And two things started happening. Um, The first thing is I realized that I was very comfortable in spaces where people, especially pain points, where people looked and sounded and had similar experiences as me. And then there's another thing is I realized that could be a little bit more help for everybody in the blended family to the woman that is now a um, a single woman who was used accustomed to being attached to a man to the man who was probably going to because our uh, custodial plan was every other weekend it wasn't shared parenting and so now this parent this man is his role as dad is minimized to what 25 percent and with children that he was used to being with 100 percent of time and And so I realized that everybody not only needed individual resources, but what are we doing to pull all these people together? And um, I did, you know, did what I know how to do is I built. I started building platforms and asking questions online and people were starting to see me as a subject matter expert. And my bachelor's is in family and consumer sciences. I have my 15,000 hours in training and certification in the National uh, Council of Family Relations as an educator. And so... I decided that my contribution to the one of my contributions to the world, but just to be to make this thing a little bit easier for all of us, because it it doesn't have to be this hard, Chris. It, it genuinely even if you're dealing with very difficult people, it doesn't have to be as hard for you. And so um, that's kind of why I'm here today. You know, real life put me in this position. Well, yeah, I want to I want to rewind just to the to the beginning of all that because you had made a point about you know sort of that uh, that step into the unknown or the leap of faith. I mean, I, I think that a lot of people really struggle with that because um, you know when you're when you're out there in the dating pool, whether your uh, prospective partner you know is a you know has kids or you know doesn't have kids, um, there's always there's always things that come along with every situation, right? And and I think people have to evaluate, you know, is this something that I'm willing to do long term? And, uh, and, it, and it is such a leap of faith to, to take a walk in that, you know, in that unknown uh, and have to deal with some of those things. That's it, way different from when you were, uh, you know, young and no, no, nobody had kids and, and you hadn't been through any messy divorces or anything like that. And, uh, but I mean, w- what was going on in your mind and, and, you know, what were some of the things that helped you out through that transition period? I always tell anybody this, any one of my clients, whether they're a divorced mom or dad or in between or on the other side of it is how much is this person that is attached to these factors, which make me feel like I have absolutely no control over my money, my time or certain aspects of my life and especially my relationship. Are they worth it? And for me, the answer was yes. But I know a lot of people out there, Chris, where the answer is kind of no, but they still try to figure it out and stay there. And that's from the step-parents perspective. And then from the parenting perspective, is is this person, can they handle your stuff? And I don't like to call um, human beings with children, I don't like to call their kids baggage, but I see a lot of people doing that. Your kids are not baggage. Now your ex might be considered <laughs> baggage in some sort of way, but the human beings that you created, they are a part of your story, they are a piece of your heart. And so I think that that's kind of one of the th- main things that, that, that people need to try to tie together when they're considering where they are and who they want to be with and how they want to do this thing. Yeah, I think I think today's dating, uh, you know, environment, if you will, is, 
<laughs> if you can it even call it that, Chris. it's not pretty. Oh and, and, and it's so easy to turn a person into, you know, a commodity, right? I mean, yes. Commodity being, you know, just a thing. And so, but yeah. people are not things, right? They are complex. They have feelings. I mean, they have needs and, and wants and, and all that sort of stuff. Whereas a, a thing is just a thing and it exists and you, and you get a use right. out of it or you don't, right? Uh, but yeah, certainly this commoditizing of the dating world is, is not helped that, I don't think. It's, you know, it's so easy because I met my husband and I, you know, I'm, I'm honest with this. I tell people I ordered him off the internet, but I'm <laughs> on a dating website <laughs> and it wasn't one of those, like, cause now, you know, they have the sites where you can just see a person's picture and you swipe. Right. That totally commodifies a person. Like they're like a thing. What can you do for me in this moment? Um, there's no reading, there's no learning, learning about the person. And so there, what I'm learning is that in the dating pool, and I'm not, I haven't been in the dating pool in a long time, but I have a lot of single friends mm -hmm. is that people are so unhealed and they're not taking the time to deal with, um, their own stuff. And they're right. thinking that relationship, a new relationship is going to fix it. And so what happens is you just kind of perpetuate in the cycle of drama that you already exist in and you're meshing it with somebody else's and God forbid you have kids with this person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's another broken home that's created. And, uh, you know, for me, that means more clients, but I don't want to see that for the world at all. So, right. Yeah. And I, I, so, yeah. Dating is kind of, the dating pool is kind of uh, scummy from what I hear, <laughs> from what I hear. <laughs> It's definitely not easy. Anybody that's uh, that's been out there recently can tell you it, it's uh, you know, and, and it's 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 really messy. I guess I I should probably just leave it at that. You know what? Okay, you did not ask me for advice, but I'm so giving good at giving unrequited advice, and so this is just for any uh, dads out there, especially because you know you got kids. I don't, you know, you might have a conflicted situation. Maybe you don't, but please, when you meet these beautiful ladies on these dating sites, um. Please don't ask her for her phone number immediately. Make sure that she communicates the same way that you do. Because, you know, some guys are like, hey, what's up? And, you know, there's a lot of people. I'm not talking to the guys that are looking for hookups. I'm talking to the people that want genuine. You want to build something for real with somebody. Number one, just see, can she type in a full paragraph? Number two, see if she'll meet you for coffee instead. Don't take a woman that you don't know out for dinner because that's 150 bucks. And then you don't know her. You might not see her again. And I'll say this, don't tell anybody, Chris, but back in the day when I was a single girl and dating, if I wanted to go out just to dinner and drinks with a new guy every night so I wouldn't have to cook, that's available to us women. So I always tell guys, meet her at the coffee shop in the daytime. Um, something that's very simple. It's not a huge investment. So you can really focus on one another. And then the third piece of advice is understand that you have some stuff and she has some stuff and just make sure that you're very honest. Just be honest. That's it. But you didn't ask me for that. So, <laughs> well, I think that's all great advice. I, I, you know, I personally do the coffee thing over dinner because, you know, if you get there and you realize somebody's, you know, not who they say they were, and, and then you realize that you've got to sit there through a whole dinner. So coffee's oh. a lot less of investment. Yeah. And coffee's what a, a cup of coffee's five bucks. Dinner is going to run you. A little bit. And it's a time and a time investment too. So yeah. Yeah, that's great advice. So I want to talk a little bit now about um about your work with families and um, you know, how did you know how did you get into that and, and sort of uh what what advice do you have for families now and, and uh where are you seeing that families are struggling and, and where are you seeing that families are doing well? Oof. 
That's like five questions in one, Chris. Okay, so I think I remember what the first one is. Yeah, I so I work with families. I also work with couples and individuals. Normally, when people find me, it'll be because they've listened to a podcast like yours or seen me on a video or they've listened to my own or read a book or something. They There's something that I said has resonated with one of their pain points. And so one of the funnest parts of my job is working with entire families. Unfortunately, that's kind of rare because if people are calling me, it's not because they have a great day and it's not they can't just go get the co-parent on the phone and sit down for a powwow. And so typically I start with just an abbreviated version of what a step family looks like. And I work with who's there, Chris. If somebody is not responsive or reluctant or totally not up for it, then I focus on the people that show up and the ones that are there. Um, I wouldn't say that my work is extremely difficult. It's emotionally taxing because seeing people that want change in their lives, but there's some sort of stronghold. Typically, it's because of their own internal stuff, but there's some sort of stronghold that makes it difficult to have breakthroughs. We do have breakthroughs all the time, uh, but, you know, something that I would like to see more of. I got started, like I mentioned earlier, just posting on Facebook. I would post questions from things that I saw happening in my real life. I remember during our darkest hours in my own family, there was about a six month period where my husband was completely cut off from communicating with his children in any form or facet. So he was just a financier. He would go travel to the city where his children were located and he wouldn't be allowed to get them. Not because the courts didn't say so, but just because of a conflict from the other households. He, you know, And so just seeing how the police reacted when he would call them for help or just seeing how he was treated in the court system or watching the own, watching the emotional wherewithal that it took on him and then ultimately that it had on me it would make me sometimes post questions on facebook or instagram or sometimes i would go and just make a video not from the uh, expert's perspective but just from the perspective of a a woman that is watching a dad because everybody always claims oh dad's dead dads are dad beats and dads want to be there dad has a new woman but that's watching a man that's desperate and trying to be with his children but he's being cut off from it and so that was a lot. That was just, um, that was traumatic for all of us. So I would share my trauma and people started to identify with that. So what started happening, Chris, is people would reach out to me and hit me in the inbox and ask me questions. <clears throat> I would start getting on the phone with these people just as a personal conversation. And it kind of dawned on me that I needed more experience by way of learning more, learning strategies. Now I have all the strategies and systems in place. And so that's how I started coaching. Once I gained the confidence to be able to set aside certain bricks of time, have very strategic methods of helping families, couples, and individuals and monetizing that, that's how I started my business. I just, I started it from just offering free help. Anybody that wanted it, I probably like, that was part of my 15 hours. I probably, 15,000 hours, I'm sorry. I probably helped strangers from all over the world, men, women, no particular age, no particular race, no particular socioeconomic standing. I was making human connections and I realized I'm good at this. And now I had confidence and I could structure it. So I forgot the other two questions that you asked me after that. I forgot them too. That's okay. We'll keep going here. (laughs) 
Um, okay. Yeah, I think I think moving through that trauma is really difficult, and and people often feel very isolated and alone because I mean, there's there's not like a corner store that you can go down to that's the trauma store and you know get some help for it, right? You can obviously yeah. go to a therapist or to a service like yours, um, but but I think there's a lot more awareness now that that people like you do exist and there is help out there for things like this, but it, it is really good to recognize that, that moving through these transitions in life is traumatic. And, uh, certainly we found that the court systems and, and like you said, the police are not always helpful. Um, in fact, they're, you know, they can be very frustrating to deal with at times. Uh, but yes, certainly, uh, moving through that trauma isn't, isn't easy at all. Um, have you seen, a, you know, sort of a, a shift in uh, what families desire? I mean, you know, if you go rewind back, I think overwhelmingly the standard, you know, like you mentioned, dad would get the kids every other weekend and, and really be reduced to a visitor. Um, but I think we've, we've made a lot of noise now, and, and I think more families are, um, you know, starting to ask for shared parenting. Is that what you're seeing, or, or is it uh, you have to tell families, hey, no, this is an option? Man, Chris, I wish I could sit up here and tell you, heck yeah, that's what I'm seeing. But, and I don't want to be biased when I'm only speaking to men because there are also plenty of mothers that are also non-custodial parents and that don't have shared parenting time. So I'm just going to say parents. Um, I wish I could say that parents were going out and vying and asking for that. But there almost seems like there's an expectation that somebody, the person that moves out, is going to just be relegated to seeing their kids four days a month, every other weekend. So they don't even know. They, people are not in the know. They don't have the knowledge. There's still a major level of ignorance that typically, and I'm air quotes for those of you that are listening, not watching, typically dad's going to pay 25, 30% of his income into his old household, go build a new household, but now mom is doing 90% of the parenting work. And so shared parenting was never a thing in how we see it was set up here in the American court system. So there are fathers, there are parents, there are, there's mothers and fathers that, number one, don't even know that they can say, oh, I want my kids 50-50. They don't even think it's a thing. And because of that, many of them are anti. What I'm finding, Chris, is if I mention it to people, because they saw how their grandmothers and grandfathers did it and how their own parents did it when they split, they cannot even fathom what they would do having 50% of custody. So number one, parents have to just be given the confidence to know you can handle this. These are your children. You can take them half the time and they need to be with you. And they also just need to be educated on the fact that this is a thing. You know, it's let's call it a thing. They didn't even know that it, that it was there. So I make it my business to all to, not to really antagonize new clients, but just to simply inquire, hey, so, you know, you have this every other weekend schedule. Are you satisfied with that? And they'll be like, well, I wish it could be more. Well, did you know that you can request 50-50 custody? Did you? And they're like, no, absolutely not. How much money is that going to cost me? So people have this inherent fear of what that looks like. And when you move through that uh, in your own relationship, as you said, he started out with, you know, every other weekend and, and you've and now it sounds like you're, uh, you know, at shared parenting levels at 50-50. What sort of changes did you see, you know, both when dad and the kids? I mean, and how, how did that change the family unit? Well, just to be very, very clear, we live in New York City and the kids live in Texas. And so it can't be 50-50 with us, like one week on, one week off. So we have a very extreme schedule, meaning 
we'll do four months and then like we'll do homeschooling and we'll, then we'll keep them and then we'll take them back and then we'll do extended amounts of time. So it's very expensive. It involves a lot of travel. The I was very reluctant, honestly, in the beginning because, you know, I'm thinking, okay, you know, per the court documents that I saw that I read, because everything, every, every spouse probably reads their um, person's parenting plan because you want to know, like, this is your family law. This is a family Bible. You want to know how it's going to affect you. And so what I saw was nothing by way of power and influence on the father's part. And the other parent was the key decision maker. They decided if the kid could go out of town, they decided the kid could go 50 miles away. It was every other weekend. And I was like, first question is, why the heck did you sign this? This is garbage. You live in New York City. Why would you commit to every other weekend when it doesn't look feasible and you're paying four figures in support? That's not feasible. And so it took a lot of time, even in my own real life, just to convince and help my partner gain the confidence to know that this is something that can be done and your children deserve it. They they deserve it. You know, like what what you know, it, it took a lot of work, Chris. And so the reluctance and the expense was something that it took a while to just reconcile. Like, this is what we're going to have to do. Having access to the kids, what, I'm, what I've just witnessed from 2013 to now, the level of access and the kids' confidence. Like Now they know they're not just relying on one parent. As before, one parent was the center of their existence. One parent was their key influence. And like I said, it was high conflict. So what do you think that meant for us? What do you think that meant for his position as a father? Now that he's able to be impactful and be present in those kids' lives, I see that now they can say, okay, I do have a mom and a dad. I do have two households. I am not solely reliant on one to give me my identity or provide for me or be my, my, uh, to, to be my sense of being. So I see some very well-rounded, very happy children. Well, that's fantastic. It's uh, it really is uh, good to see when the kids, you know, they get adjusted to the new situation, and uh, you know, uh, there there's just so many things that can go wrong when when parents aren't, uh, you know, involved equally in the lives. And yeah. and you know, I think it's a good point to bring up that it's not it's not all about time, right? It, it's about involvement, and and that doesn't always you know directly equate to time. Uh, but certainly when you have two parents involved in kids' lives, it, it, it does make a difference for them. Yes, it makes a difference for everybody. One parent is not feeling the brunt of just a day-to-day. My God, have you, you know, have you kept four or five kids by yourself at one time, Chris? They run circles around you. Kids are crazy. So just, <laughs> just the energy that it takes to do that should not be on one person. It's not fair. Um, we know life isn't fair all the time, but if you can make it that way to where you're doing equal parts work, equal parts finance sharing, then that benefits not only the parents, uh, not, not not only the kids, but it also benefits, has major benefits for the parents. Yeah, I have been outnumbered uh, kids to parent ratio, and it's uh, it is definitely a challenge. <laughs> kids are maddening. My God, I love them, but yikes. And, you know, and, and kids are smart too, because they, they will, they can tell when you're getting overwhelmed. Right. And they, they kind of like <laughs> we're winning. Let's keep piling it on four to one, three to one. Like they've already won. Yeah. <laughs> kids are fun though. 
They definitely are. Tell us, um, you know, so you do a lot of work. Uh, you've got your two online communities. You've got uh, yep. blendedandblack.com and then vipstepmom.com. Uh, tell us a little bit about, about those communities and the work that you do with them. Okay. So Blended and Black was my very first community. Like I said, when I started feeling the pangs of um, the devastation of my husband's divorce in previous family, there were a lot of white spaces, purely white spaces. And so the first thing I wanted to do is um, find spaces, find people, find experts who understood my background as an African-American person, because we ain't got to sit up here and lie like the white American experience and the African or black American experience are synonymous. Um, it's been it's very different. We what I thought back then, and I'll tell you how I've kind of had transitions in my thoughts. But back then, what I thought is no one else is going to understand how this feels. But another black person, I want to talk to I want people to talk like me to use the same slang that I do. Sometimes I'll get up in arms. I want, um, just even the cultural differences, the food that we speak about, the places that we go, um, the Christian church, the Muslim uh, mosque, like some of the experiences that are exclusive. I needed that. I needed to have a sense of home before I branched out and began to trust other experts in uh, with something that was so vulnerable, in, in a position where I felt so vulnerable and I knew nothing. And so I started the community blended in black as a space for millennials and step families. <clears throat> but what I saw happening is I was sharing more videos all over the internet. They were being shared in all these persons of color spaces in the white spaces, Latino, my, my, my Latino brothers and sisters, my Asian brothers and sisters, like everybody. And so people were trying to join the group. And so I was like, okay, Naja, this space is called blended in black. Are you gonna make it only for black folks? You're going to segregate it or are you going to share the black experience with other people? And so what I decided to do is to make it a space for everybody. I wanted all people in millennial families, not only to feel a sense of my expertise, but I wanted them to understand um, that black families do exist. We have the same problems. And I'll say this, probably 10% of my clientele right now are black people. Right now, I have others, mostly white. I have a lot of Asian. Like I have a lot of different ethnic groups. But at the time, one thing that I wanted is for other people to understand that, number one, we're not so different. We all have the same. Crazy does not have a color. Um, we all have the same issues. And this might sound really cookie cutter, Chris, and I'm not a cookie cutter person at all, but literally, it's what's on the inside that counts. And we are genuinely all fighting to be loved and to be understood. And if I could help other people, just even as a spectator, because a lot of people just come and watch and I get a lot of messages from, you know, it'll it'll say, hey, Naja, I'm a suburban housewife in Chattahoochee, Tennessee. I just didn't know. And so I'm bringing our issues into your home, Chris, and you're telling me uh, yours. So how is that going to affect us on a more human level? You see me, we start to rehumanize each other because um, the media and the powers that be, and that's not even this type of conversation would have us to think that we're all so different or that one group is supreme to the other one. I know for a fact, that's a lie. And um, yeah, so Blending the Black started because of that. So when I became a stepmother, I also opened up VIP Stepmom because there's a special place in my heart for stepmoms. I am a stepmom and I'm a stepmom in a high conflict situation. And 
I realized that I could specifically speak to all women that all people or people that identify as stepmothers. I could speak to all of them and from a very personal perspective. And they really were liking some of the stuff that I had to say. I mean, the numbers show for it, that's for sure. And so I kind of started that space out of just, it's my, it's like my love project. It's a membership platform. They get a video per month. We do a monthly meetup. They get all the blogs. They get all my private stuff that I only want to say to stepmoms. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how those things started. Well, that's pretty awesome. And, you know, um, do you have any advice for people that are, are working with, you know, different groups of people, maybe, you know, different nationalities or different ethnicities? Or, you know, oh, well, God, I, yes. I mean, you, you've got to have some thoughts on that, right? Because I think one of the issues in the shared parenting movement is when we advocate, we sort of forget that there's all these different, um, yeah. you know, different types and groups of people and things may not affect people the same way. Uh, and so I, I think that it's really important that people understand that experience and, and what are some things that people can do, um, you know, to, to really broaden the, uh, broaden the reach, uh, for that topic. Mm-hmm. If you want to prove that you are a person that supports diversity, um, the first thing you got to do is you got to get out there. The reason that I do have the clientele and the reach that I have is because, I, for a very long time, was the only black person, the only black face. And in order to show or represent that platforms wanted to be inclusive, I was a person that they would call because there wasn't anybody else. And so I think just being the only one for a very long time worked to my advantage because that gave me much more of a leg up as the authority. And it, then it just so happened that I really knew what the heck I was talking about. And I'm passionate and people, just some people giving me the opportunity or maybe vice versa to speak and come on their platforms. They realize, number one, this lady is really good at what she does. And I think she can be the one to help my family. So if you want to prove to people that you can exist in other spaces, because the racial divide is very strong when we think of choosing a therapist, choosing a church, choosing a doctor. Um, choosing a coach, you know, a, a life partner. It's a very strong thing for human beings right now at this point in the millennia. So you really have to be out there and show that you are doing the work to appeal and speak the language of other people. And the language that I speak is healing, blended, and step families. I don't care what color your family is. Um, I don't make, I don't hide any of my beliefs. And so I don't bring that into my coaching. I simply want to help, but I've been in spaces and I've, I've been welcome in spaces. I'll say that Chris. Um, so if I could give any advice, I, I, are you asking for advice for people that kind of want to reach different spaces? Yeah, I think, I think that's what I'm getting to is, uh, okay. you know, if you're, if you're somebody who's advocating, um, how do you help advocate for, you know, groups that you may not belong, uh, you know, oh my directly God. you with, have to right? go to those groups. You got to go to those groups, Chris, you got to find the person that they trust. Just like you would in politics, you know, you're like, let me go find the leader in every city and become and form an alliance with that person. So you really have to go to those groups that um, are influential or to those people that are influential in this particular group that you're trying to break into and show them that you are an ally. Show them that you do have a shared interest and show them that you are completely genuine. You know, you don't have to pretend to talk like them or walk like them. You can still be up anytime I show up to a space. 
I am still my very much authentic country Memphis, Tennessee black girl self. But that has never one time, to my knowledge, stopped me from being invited into some spaces where I am the only one that speaks and talks like me. I have, you know, I, my friends, the list of friends that I have that I can call at any second is a representation of that. So people see that I only talk it, but I live it too. Well, that's fantastic. And uh, any final thoughts on, you know, shared parenting or uh, advice that you'd have for families? Heck yeah. Listen, let me tell y'all something. Let me, let me tell you, I hope y'all are listening. Don't ever think that your role should be minimized by your other parent or by the courts. I want you to spend whatever time you do have with your children talking to them and appealing to them. I specialize in helping people through high conflict situations. And so for a lot of my clients and my audience, they've spent many years being undermined as parents and their, their children start to develop a lack of trust for them. And I see a lack of respect starting to trickle down. And so as a parent, if this is happening to you, I honestly cannot empathize enough. I can't imagine the pain that it must feel that you must be experiencing knowing that this little being that you brought into the world is being taught, is being weaponized against you. This is where you got to step it up. You have to get yourself some help. Even if you don't feel that confidence right now, you do what you got to do. You, you call me, you call Chris, you read the articles, you talk to your therapist, whomever, you pray, you meditate, whatever it is that you need to do to show up as this confident parent for your child because they are depending on you. If they've been taught to mistrust you and your role and authority has been undermined, then the first thing this child is going to start to inherently think is my mother or father can't take care of me. It, it doesn't matter that their other parent is the one that's doing it. A child needs both of you, and especially if you're alive and well and you're here and present. Now that means they don't, not only they don't trust you, now they don't even trust their other parent because they're the ones that have done the damage. So I want you guys to talk to your children till they are blue in the face. Talk to these kids. Don't You don't have to bash your other parent. They'll show their true colors on down the line. If you are being minimized, it's up to you to literally prove and show and demonstrate to your child that you are none of those things. You're still mom. You're still dad. You're still strong. You deserve and command their trust and respect. And don't ever let anybody make you feel small as a parent. Um, yeah, Chris, that's that's my word. Well, I think that's some excellent advice. And uh, so you're obviously, we talked about blendedinblack.com where people can reach you. Also, vipstepmom.com. Uh, where are some of the other places? Are I'm, I'm assuming you're on the, all the socials. I'm on all the socials. And I'll tell you guys this. Like, I have so many social media. So um, all everything can be found at najahall.com. That's kind of my hub for all of my, you know, you find what you want that I do. And, it's, you know, my books are on there. My podcast is on there. All of the social links to Blended in Black or VIP Stepmom are on there. And like I said, I just want to make it clear. Everybody's welcome in spaces that Naja Hall creates. Um, even some, we have some men that are people that identify as male. I'm sorry. In, uh, in VIP Stepmom. So when I say, if you are coming to learn and contribute, I want you. You are welcome. So yes, you can find me at NajaHall.com. All right. Yeah. So one-stop shop to find everything for Naja. And, <laughs> yes. and uh, Naja, we really appreciate you coming on today. And this has been a wonderful conversation. And uh, we certainly hope to have you on uh, here in the future. I would love to come back, Chris. You just say the word and I will be here with bells on. 
All right. Well, thank you so much and, and good luck with everything that you're doing. And we really appreciate all the other hard work you put into helping families because uh, goodness knows that they need it every now and then. Oh, yeah. Now, that was recorded on video. So if you want to go ahead and watch the video, you can find the link in the show notes. It's on YouTube. And if you have any questions, you can contact National Parents Organization at sharedparenting.org. Don't forget to like National Parents Organization on social media. Just go ahead and do a Facebook search for National Parents Organization and smash the like button. You're also going to find several Facebook pages for different state chapters. So go ahead and like those pages as well. And don't forget, you can also follow National Parents Organization on Twitter or LinkedIn. The links to those social media sites are on the sharedparenting.org website. If you're passionate about shared parenting, the best thing you can do is get involved. And the best way to do that is by contacting your state chapter. If you head over to the sharedparenting.org website, you can find the links to your state chapter and then contact them directly to take action and volunteer. We could also use your help with donations. National Parents Organization is a nationally recognized nonprofit registered in Massachusetts. To donate, visit sharedparenting.org and click the Take Action and then Donate. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Tell us what you think on social media or by going to the sharedparenting.org website and sending us a message. Fill out that contact form and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear about what you think about the show or what you want to hear on the show, those sorts of things. So go ahead and, and send us a message. Until the next episode, I'm your host, Chris Batchelor. Thanks for listening, and together we can help bring shared parenting nationwide. So-